Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. We're joined for a special Tuesday episode by Keith Gave, the author of The Russian Five and a former Detroit Free Press journalist, one of the men who helped bring The Russian Five all together. And today is the 25th anniversary of those five Russians taking the ice at the same time on the same line for the first time ever in Calgary, Alberta. We're joined by Keith to remember everything that he can recall about that night, what it meant in the grand scheme of the Red Wings organization, how it led to a dynasty, and a whole lot more. Thanks for tuning in to this Tuesday edition of Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Today is Tuesday, October 27th, 2020, and 25 years ago today, Scotty Bowman debuted the Russian Five on a single line, marking the first time in NHL history that five Russian players have been on the ice on the same line. And as we know now, that had massive implications, not only in the entire hockey landscape, but played a massive role in adding some uh, extra banners in Detroit. We have one of the men who brought it all together on the show today. I am your host, Detroit Sports General Bianchi. I'm, of course, joined by longtime Red Wings fan Ethan Smith. And as we celebrate this momentous occasion, we are now joined by former Free Press scribe, author of the Russian Five, NSA badass, and now recurring guest at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast, Keith Gave. Keith, happy anniversary and welcome back to the show. And same to you. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, yeah, this is a pretty special day in Red Wings history. I'll tell you that it was uh, it was um, quite a moment, actually. To uh, I, I actually watched the game on TV. I wasn't there that night, uh, but I I think you know I was enjoying watching four Russians play on this hockey team. And what did uh, what did uh, Scotty do? Scotty Bowman surprised us all by going out and getting a fifth guy. And uh, as, we, as we know, they traded a pretty darn good hockey player yeah. for, uh, uh, for Igor Leono. They traded Ray Shepard, uh, which I, I had mixed feelings about. To be honest with you, uh, Ray Shepard was about one of my best sources in the dressing room. He would tell me <laughs> everything that's going on. I love the guy. I, lo- I love him as a player. He's a good guy. Uh, but he would tell me everything. Scotty didn't like those guys who talked to us. And one by one by one, he weeded them out and got rid of, uh, you know, got rid of them. Sean Burr was one. He got rid of Dino Cicerelli was another one. Mike Vernon was another one. Uh, the, the good talkers, the, the ones who shared a little bit too much, uh, he weeded them out. And Ray was one of them. They brought Igor in, and uh, my goodness, uh, the magic started to happen pretty quickly. Ray Shepard, 52 goals scored in the season before the Red Wings traded him. So just that fact alone uh but we'll back it up real quick we'll we'll, we'll take it or we'll actually push it forward just a little bit because i want to talk about the actual night uh you document all of this in your book the russian five which i have read now i've finally gotten time to read it over quarantine also listen to the audiobook while i read so i could pick it okay. up a little bit more uh it's a delightful yeah. read available wherever books are sold uh including amazon uh 
but I just want to get your perspective on that night. You obviously not in Calgary, Viv Bernstein out covering uh, the team for the free press by that point, but you're watching at home and, and what's going through your mind, man? What are you seeing? Well, first of all, I, there was a little bit of a confusion. Uh, uh, Scotty told these guys they were going to play them together, and then all of a sudden they are not playing together, and uh, they don't. They want to know what's going on and so on. And finally, it was uh, probably what a little bit uh, several minutes into the first period, where he uh, basically looked at them and said, "Okay, boys, it's your turn," and threw all five of them over the over the boards, and uh, the magic started to happen pretty quickly. Now, uh, Viv Bernstein, the guy I just mentioned, wrote a story on that morning of October 27th, 1995. Uh, and it was about the impending debut. Scotty Bowman was quoted in it saying, uh, he doesn't know if it'll work, but quote, they seem to know where each other are on the ice. He's seen that in practice. So one can safely assume that this was always Scotty's plan to put them on the ice together when he traded for the 50 goal scorer for Larry Onoff. And I'm just curious to know, like, how much was riding on this decision panning out? Not only for Jim Devolano, uh, who along with Holland disagreed with the trade, but even for Scotty and, and Steve Eiserman and even maybe further on down the line. Well, I, you know, they gave, they gave Scotty a fair amount of rope to put together the kind of team that he wanted, right? And uh, <laughs> they knew, like we all know now, uh, they knew then that Scotty Bowman was one of the smartest guys in uh in the game was then is now uh he had he had a plan and they let him run with it and uh you know he knew from coaching against the soviets uh for so much in his career uh he he um he knew that they that they that the russians play in five-man units and he had three forwards and two defensemen now and they were all pretty darn good all from the same red army school in the soviet union and he didn't think it would take much to, uh, you know, for them to get acclimated to one another and um, and start doing some really amazing things. And in fact, it took them a couple of shifts before they scored the first goal. That first night in Calgary, by the way, was unbelievable. Uh, they want they in in the Calgary Saddle Dome. They played. Uh, uh, they won the game three to nothing in Calgary. Uh, the Russians scored two of the three goals. And uh, it, it was uh, Kozlov and Lurianov, I think, who wound up scoring. Uh, and um, they outshot the Flames 25-8. to eight. Calgary had eight shots on goal in their own building, the lowest they've ever yeah, ever had, ever still today. And, um, and the Russians had 15 of Detroit's 25 shots that night. You, can, you just can't make that stuff up. No, no. And uh, one of the things, this is kind of a sidebar uh, before we get to Ethan's next question, but one of the things I thought was funny when I was reading the newspaper from that the day after was Mike Vernon, how candid he was about ha being happy to not play for the Flames anymore. He's like, it's an embarrassment. Those guys over there, I'm so happy I don't play here anymore. I was like, somebody would get killed if they ever said that to the media now when it like makes its rounds on Twitter. There'd be a, there'd be a mob. No, you're absolutely right. It was a different game then. People, uh, you know, in 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 a lot of ways, social media has killed uh, uh, big time sports. Uh, yeah, he, he would never gotten gotten away with that today, not at all. But Mike Vernon was one of those guys who, you know, whatever was on his mind, man, he said he'd look you right in the eye and say it. I I re respected the heck out of him because of that. That's for sure. So going back to that Calgary game, like, was anybody really surprised by the outcome of that? 
I mean, Russians have been a force in hockey for years. Yeah, but yeah, they have no question about it. But you know, we never saw them play together for an NHL team in, in a game in the NHL. They played they the Soviets played against the National Hockey League uh, for years since it was seventy two or so, right? And uh, t- typically held their own. They were pretty good. But uh, we nobody knew how they were going to. The thing is, you got. You get three young guys, two really old guys, actually two generations of stars in the, uh, uh, you know, in this five-man unit, and uh, you didn't really know. Uh, nobody really knew. Even Scotty, and Scotty even said, um, uh, "Listen, we're not going to say too much to you. You guys go out and play your game. We'll leave you alone. You can do do what what I think you can do, and uh, uh, and you'll be all right. We're, but we're not going to coach you too much." And that's what he did. He left them alone. And they worked it out. They did what they needed to do. And, uh, you know, Igor Larionov is the guy who really um, made it all work together. Um, you know, Igor Larionov is Russian for Wayne Gretzky, right? <laughs> Some, something like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the professor. He's this, he, was, he was the switch who made him go. As he used to say, he used to tell me, Keith, he said, I'm like 7-Eleven. I'm always open. Just give me the puck and we'll get it. And we'll figure it out, and uh, and that's what he would do. You notice they would they would get he would wind up with a puck back in the defensive zone and start heading forward. And if he didn't, you know, if they didn't have a you know a, a breakout plan and it wasn't working, he'd circle back and he'd start all over again, right? Uh, and um, uh, you know, it it worked immediately, uh, and it was uh, it was pretty special. We'll get back to our interview with Keith Gave in just one second. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about rockauto.com. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. And with some of the best prices around, you cannot go wrong shopping for your classic or your daily driver at rockauto.com. Now, I'm somebody who likes to save money. I'm somebody who doesn't like to spend money frivolously. I'm somebody who doesn't even have a lot of extra money to go get my car fixed at a mechanic shop or pay the same price for my parts that mechanics do. That's why I go to rockauto.com because their catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. And the best part is their prices are always the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend up to twice as much for the same auto parts that your mechanic is using when you can pay that same price and just do it at your own home? I mean, guys, YouTube exists for a reason. Tutorials on Google, they exist for a reason. You can go to rockauto.com Get everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go check out rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you get there, just write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. They've got amazing selection, reliably low prices, and they've got all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. And we also have to talk to you guys today about Built Go. Whether it's a physical wall or a mental wall, Built Go wants to know, what is your wall? For me, it's that two o'clock feeling. For me, it's uh, that drive home when I know I got to go to the gym and I'm just not feeling motivated. Once I, I know once I get inside, I'm going to you know, change out of my work clothes and then I'm not going to want to go to the gym. But thank goodness for Built Go because they helped me break through my mental and my physical wall. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. It's the best workout gel on the market. Basically a five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's all natural. So it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. But best of all, 
Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Now, collagen protein, what is that, you may ask? It's fast absorbing so that it gets into my system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. Beta alanine, B3, honey, and even a kick of caffeine. Built Go then kicks me to keep going strong. Visit BuiltGo.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED. That's L-O-C-K-E-D, LOCKED. And you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. This is a line matchup here that they should be able to take advantage of. And here is the advantage of Kozlov breaking in for a shot. Hits a rebound. Score! Right there, the quick transition, and Kozlov gets his second of the season, and the Red Wings lead it one to nothing. So you said in your book, quote, international hockey was crashing the NHL party. Now, granted, these guys were playing the Calgary Flames, the 0-6-3 Calgary Flames. So when this, this kind of game goes on, and you mentioned, yes, they had a dominant game against this team. This line in particular had the most dominant game mm-hmm. uh, against this team. But off jump, was there, uh, was there an immediate sense of, okay, I think, we, I think we do have something here? Was it more of like a wait-and-see type of deal? No, I think it was pretty immediate, really. Um, from what, from every, everything I remember talking with teammates, talking with Scotty, who never really said much, but he had a little twinkle in his eye when he talked about those guys. Um, it was it was pretty amazing, and 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 you know that's you could see it in the first goal that they scored, guys. The very first goal. Um, I don't know if you went back and had a chance to look at it. Oh, yeah. it, it, it. It's really unbelievable. It's one of the things, listen, I'm really, really proud of the documentary film that we that, that we were able to produce. And it turned out to be a pretty good movie, right? Yes, I did. lost a lot of arguments as we were putting that thing together, uh, uh, you know, because they said, well, you got to have this, you got to have that. Don't forget this, don't forget that. If I'd had my way, it would have been a four-hour film and uh, not really uh, <laughs> suitable for theaters. Uh, but... I, I, I kept saying over and over and over again, we got to, that very first goal that they scored in Calgary, we have to we have to back it up about a second and a half to show Vladimir Constantin the, get, getting the puck in the Calgary zone, uh, just flick the backhand pass to Sergei Fedorov standing at center ice, uh, and he did the same thing. It was basically behind him, a, a, almost a blind backhand pass to Slava Kozlov, who had turned around and was heading toward the Calgary net. Uh, Kozlov got the puck at the blue line and went in all alone, shot the puck at Trevor Kidd. Kidd stopped the first one. Uh, uh, Slava had the, the juicy rebound and put it into an empty net. It was just an amazing moment, and it takes your breath away when you look at it. If I, was, if I were the editor of the film, and I wasn't, I was a writer – uh, producer, but I would have I, I would have backed it up a little bit, and then I would have slowed that goal down in slow motion to see to see how quickly the those Russian players uh, you transition from defense to offense. And I mean, it's literally, Calgary players were still skating toward their zone, and, and when when uh, Kozlov got the puck and put it in the net, it was it was it was an amazing goal. One thing I, I, I thought was kind of curious when I was going through is like you have the note in your book about uh, Dave Strader. He had the foresight to recognize what a landmark night this was in the NHL. He has the uh, Russian players go and sign two programs. He gives one to the like Hockey Hall of, or one of the PR people to give eventually to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and then he keeps one himself. So like he knew 
I assume you sitting at home knew, but I, when I was in, I'm basing my uh, perspective of this, of what I saw in the newspaper, but in the newspaper that next day, it's not even really, it's the lead wing story, but it's barely the lead wing story is the Russian five making their debut. And it's definitely not the sports lead story. Right. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I was a little bit biased about the Russian players uh, because of my own background and so on. And I, I thought that was, that was a huge story. I was like Dave Strader. And I would have probably overwritten it had I been there in Calgary covering that game. Um, uh, Viv uh, Bernstein missed the story, I, I think. Um, it, but I don't know. Have you seen the news? What did the Detroit News do that day? Did they make a bigger deal out of it than uh, the Free Press did? I, I don't recall either I, paper really making a bigger deal yeah, out, out no. of it. From anything that I saw, because it was like I, I checked like the 29th or something. It was like the Sunday edition yeah. of the Detroit News. And that was I mean, it was it was like kind of the same thing. It was like, hey, here's a noteworthy thing, but nothing more than a lead item in a notebook. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, shame on us because it was a bigger deal than that. Absolutely. Um, and uh, give give Dave Strader credit. I probably would have done the same thing, something like that. He grabbed, grabbed actually it was the game summary, the 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 one sheet game summary um, that they used to do by hand uh, at, at every game in, in the NHL, and he grabbed two copies and had them had the players sign both of them, and uh, he kept one for himself, and was was able to show us when we interviewed him for the film uh, that very special piece of uh, uh, Detroit Red Wings history. And the other, as you said, is now in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, but uh, Dave recognized that um, as uh, as the professional that he was. And um, uh, I think we eventually caught up to Dave Strader at the newspapers and gave the started giving the Russian Five some credit. That's uh, pretty incredible. Those are like, those are the, the, the awesome, awesome things that like you can just never recreate. You can never try and get back. And like, just to know that you had the foresight too is like, Something that's up there too. But uh, I guess my next question is who had the most to lose from this experiment? Because at this point, Jimmy D is 13 years into his uh, tenure with the Red Wings. If my math checks out, Uh, Steve Eiserman's been there for 12 years. I mean, like there's a lot going on and, and this team isn't winning. And this seems to be their kind of last gasp hope. Was it not? Well, it was getting there. You, you know, I mean, they brought uh, they brought Bowman in as the, uh, the you know the Hall of Fame coach with all the Stanley Cup rings that he had already. And what does he do his first year uh, with the with the uh, uh, number one seed in the Western Conference, the um, uh, against uh, San Jose in, in, in sure. was it ninety four? He, yep. he you know, they, they, they lose in seven games, uh, and then he's he, you know he was able to see. At, in that series, by the way, that was a pretty special series when you think about it. Um, uh, as, as he said, uh, Igor Larionov had had a really good series against Sergei Fedorov. They played a lot against one another, and uh, Larionov kind of had Sergei for lunch for seven games <laughs> and uh, realized that they needed a little bit more help, and Scotty just kind of tucked that away, right? He's thinking – um, I think down the road after they lose to San Jose, they need they have more work to do. Uh, they they added uh, in uh, the the uh, it was the spring of '95. 
in February, I think they added Slava Fetisov. Now he's got four of them. And um, it was, uh, uh, you know, they got off. It was they, in 95. They, that's when they got swept by New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Slava Fetisov's old team. And, uh, and again, uh, Fed, our Bowman's thinking, well, we get this close, but we still have work to do. And uh, he, needed a, he, he needed a little bit more. He needed, he needed when you think about it, he, he added, he did add uh, Igor Larionov. So he got five Russians now, but it wasn't until the uh, the beginning of the because you get you, you get five Russians and they still lose to uh, Colorado in this Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. with the, in that game that Chris Draper got hurt. So they're still not there yet. It wasn't until um, the opening night of uh, the ninety six ninety seven season when Scotty traded uh, uh, Keith Primo and Paul Coffey away to Hartford and got Brendan Shanahan. Now, now, now you're there. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, he had the team that he wanted, but you know, who had a lot to lose? Uh, everybody, everybody, you know, even Scotty Bowman. Um, mm-hmm. But he, you know, he, he had some, um, some pretty good arguments with uh Jim Devolano and uh, Ken Holland, the assistant general manager at the time. I want to trade a you know a, a third round pick for a, a, an old defenseman in New Jersey who's not even playing, sitting in the press box. Give up a third round pick for him, you know. And uh, they thought that was a little bit much, but they let him do it. Now, you know, a few months later in, in the fall, he says, "I want to trade my 50 goal scoring right wing Ray Shepard for a guy who scores what 12 or 15 goals." maybe center iceman in in san jose and they thought he was nuts yeah oh yeah mid-30s you know it was it was when you think about it it's like holy cow that's a lot to give up uh for a guy like that but scotty said you know scotty basically said look you brought me here to win let you you told me you're gonna let me do what i needed to do to put a team together you want to win or not and they basically (laughs) let him make that trade and um Good things started to happen. I I'm always so fascinated by just the amount of uh, dissent that I that I learned about in the Red Wings front office during this time, and the fact that everybody was a very strong opinioned person, rightfully so, and they also had the ability to check the ego when they realized that the other respected man in the room knew he was right about something. Well. Uh, when you got rings on most of your fingers, uh, you command a lot of respect. And uh, they, they, uh, the, the, uh, the wings, uh, again, Holland and, and uh, uh, Devilano, they weren't sure about this. They talked to Mike Illich, and Mike Illich wasn't sure. Uh, but, you know, they, they basically went along with it. Uh, said, Mike, that's, that's why we brought him here. Let's, uh, let's let him do it. But, you know, after this, we've got to kind of keep him on a short leash. And uh, it started to work, and uh, so everybody had everybody had a lot invested in this thing. Steve Eisman, of course, people were starting to question him: Will he ever do this? Is he a kind of leader to lead the team, you know, all the way uh, uh, to the finish line? And uh, you know, he was starting to feel uh, feel the heat big time. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot riding on on every move Scotty Bowman made. What is the one thing you'll never forget about the rest of that season? And I guess just the uh, because you talk about you know, how, how there was some kind of uh, disagreement with bringing those guys in European hockey players in general across the league. It's kind of like a taboo thing. And then they bring them into the locker room and you say, 
there were a couple of players who were even unnamed who were like, well, we don't, we don't really like this. The, we don't really like too many Europeans over here. How quickly did that change once they got to their room? Well, you know, there were players, uh, Canadian players, I should say, uh, and highly respected players. Some of the, my, my favorite people in the dressing room weren't real happy with all these Europeans coming in. And they one of them basically said uh, to Jimmy D, Jimmy, what are you doing bringing in all these Europeans? You know, they're soft. We're never going to win with these guys. And besides, besides, we're, you know, we're, we're Canadians. They're going to come over here and take our jobs. We've been working all our lives for this. You know, and, and in fact, what happened? The Europeans started coming. They started taking some jobs. Uh, but, but, and as Steve Weisman will say, as soon as they, some of these guys stepped on the ice, even Fatisov, and there were a lot of question marks about Fatisov among the players. Like, isn't he old? They knew his reputation, but my God, he's he's not even playing in New Jersey, and now he's coming here. We give up, you know, a, you know, a pretty high draft pick for him and so on. First practice, they see this guy. They see this guy skating, you know, skating around, moving the puck, passing the puck, and so on. And Eiserman right away, his eyes open, said, "Well, he said, wait a minute here. This guy's still a pretty good player, Fatisov, as old as he was." And uh, immediately, um, once you convince Steve Eiserman, you've you're, you're, you've convinced the room. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know they. they the, uh, it didn't take long to the, for the older Russians, Fatisov and Liriano, to establish themselves as still very, very good players. And they had, you know, they, they had international respect, these two players. And uh, I'm not sure you could do it with any, any Russian, but these two guys especially bringing the kind of credibility they had, winning gold medals and world championships. Uh, the Stanley Cup was the only thing that these guys hadn't won. And they came to Detroit and they wound up winning that a couple of times. So in your opinion, how does Red Wings history pan out differently if this night never happens? Like it, it feels like something different about their roster makeup was really a catalyst for building this dynasty. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It's, it's impossible to answer, obviously. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking without, without the Russian five, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe, maybe Scotty Bowman finds another way to win. I think they. I think they win. Uh, they won the way they did, as decisively as they did. Uh, I, I don't think that would have happened without the Russian five. And it's not that they. It's not that they. You know, Scotty Bowman threw those five guys over the ice every other shift. He didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played them too sparingly, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I wanted to see more of them. I mean, but when he split them up, what did he do? You know, he could play. He could play the two Russian defensemen together. Two literally Hall of Fame guys. Vladimir Konstantinov would be in the Hall of Fame today had it not been for that accident. Mm-hmm. But you throw two physical guys like that on the ice who can move the puck like they can. And that, and, and that then you can have Nick Listerman and uh, uh, Larry Larry Murphy on uh, and the other and the other top defensive pair. Two Hall of Famers there. But when when when. Uh, when Igor Lirianov is not playing with uh, with the Russian Five, he's got Brendan Shanahan on one side, Martin Lapointe on the other. The way that the way that 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 Lirianov could think the game and move the puck to those two guys, he had all the room in the world for those big, strong, physical wingers. He had. I mean, that was a special line. Then you could put uh, you know Kozlov and and uh, Sergey and Doug Brown together, maybe you know. Uh, he, Scotty Bowman had a lot of toys in the attic. He mixed them up, and he, you know, he, he, no matter who was on the ice, it seemed like. I mean, they scored five, six, seven goals a night. It was amazing, that team. 
I think it was uh, a documentary I watched. I can't. I don't think it was the Russian Five. Or I know it definitely wasn't the Russian Five uh, film. But I remember I watched it. it maybe it was like one of the Hockey Town Championship videos. But just one of the things that struck me about that era is just the attitude of every night we're going to the rink. We know we're going to win. We don't know what the score is going to be. And I think that mm-hmm. is something that is just – it's so rare in the world of any professional sport to be that dominant and to do it in such a unique way like the Red Wings did – I think makes them one of the most endearing kind of stories and fascinating narratives uh, just in terms of championship teams start to finish. Yeah, I, I agree. And that, that not, uh, it was the 95, 96 season, 62 wins, 131 points. I mean, you, you expect them to win every night and, and they did almost every night, and, but they failed to win the Stanley cup, you know, kind of a freaky series against uh, Colorado and all that. Um, so <laughs> when they start the 96-97 season, I mean, all bets are off, really. Yeah. Like, yeah, we can we, every, every night we come to the rink and we, we feel like we're going to win, but we still haven't won the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and they, they approached that season a lot differently. They didn't, uh, they didn't feel like they had to score seven goals a night. They knew they had some other things to, to work on. They knew they had to get over the Colorado hump. They knew they had a big payback coming with Colorado. We didn't know when that was going to be. Turned out to be March 26, 1996 seven and memorable hockey game ever played at Joe Louis arena. But, um, you know, they had a lot to prove. They still had a lot to prove to themselves. Colorado was a really good hockey team. The Dallas stars were a really good hockey team. Those are the three best teams in the West and they beat each other's brains out for the, for for most of, from 95 to 2001 or two. uh, They were the best teams in the NHL along with New Jersey in the East, of course. But, um, uh, you know, as good as they were, even in that, uh, you know, when, when they put the Russian five together, um, they still they still had some work to do. They finally were able to get it done, but it took a little bit. All right. Well, uh, big thanks to Keith Gabe. Go check out the Russian five if you haven't read it already. I can attest to it. You're missing out. Uh, it's a great book. You can buy it Amazon, anywhere else, barnesandnoble.com, wherever you like to buy books. I'm sure if you're shopping locally, they're going to carry it. So go buy that. Follow Keith on Twitter. Where, where can people follow you? Uh, on Twitter at Keith Gave. At Keith Gave. You got anything coming up that we should be on the lookout for? You pumping out content these days, Keith? Uh, you know, I, I got it slowed down a little bit. I'm working on another project right now. I'm reluctant to say what exactly what it is. It's uh, it's hockey related. Another big moment in uh, in uh, hockey history. But I'm not at liberty to talk about it just yet. And and frankly, I might also say that. Uh, this Russian Five story still has some legs. Maybe there are a couple of uh, a couple of different groups out in uh, La La Land and Hollywood who still want to, you know, turn this into a uh, a, a, a bigger deal. I don't know that it's going to happen. Feels like a moonshot, but uh, there may be something down the road uh, about the Russian Five in uh, an actual motion picture, maybe. Well, that's, uh, that's awesome. I'm excited for that. Hopefully everything works out. And when you are at Liberty to talk about these things, we'd love to have you back on. Uh, as always, thank you so much, man. It's been great talking to you, and hopefully we can do it again soon. My pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot, man. Take care.